Benvenuti and ciao ragazzi to the 38th episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell. I'm broadcasting from the resplendent west of Scotland, Paisley, home of the finest fish and chips and pizza you'll get in Renfrewshire. I can maybe. attest to that. Who's that? That's Michele Borelli, who is in the shadow of Vesuvio in Naples, Annapoli. Come stai, Michele? Uh, not too well, you know. I wish I were in Paisley right now. Ah, I miss I miss the fish and chips from there so much. Something which which no one has ever uttered. That's the first time <laughs> in in the history of the English language that someone has said that. No, I I anyone listening in Paisley, I take it all back. Um, there's a heat wave in Italy, right? Uh, I mean, heat it's wave, hotter than I usual. Def- I wouldn't define it as a heat wave, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely like beach weather right now. Which oh. I wanted to go to yesterday, but I couldn't. They told me no. I think it was a big idea. But I'm also stupid because I realized later that it would have been per- like literally perfect to go to Lecce. Because it was honestly a nice place. Lecce is a very beautiful place. A lot of nice like beaches there. It was um, like perfect weather. It was perfect time for a later weekend because the game was early on Saturday so Same. you go there Saturday morning um, and then you have, like you have like the whole day Saturday the whole day Sunday to just you know go to the beach and visit and then obviously after like, in hindsight Napoli won a very nice game so it would have been absolutely perfect I couldn't find a single reason to excuse myself for not organizing this for not going there I mean I mean, it's not that close. Plastic, mate. It's because you, be. you're a plastic. I mean, honestly, honestly, I'm not going to even debate that. Because yes, yes. But then again, <laughs> when my friends told me, ah, oh, we should have gone to Lecce. Why didn't you tell me to go to Lecce? I also told them, why didn't you tell me to go to Lecce? Why are you waiting for me to tell you to go to Lecce? So I think you're, you're blaming other people, Michele. I think... You know, we got some we got some listener feedback. Well, you got some listener feedback saying that a listener has a has a son who really enjoys the Napoli Tombola number and plastic. So we got the plastic bit. Um, what's number thirty eight? The Napoli Tombola. This is all for the listener and their bambino. Ciao, bambino. Ciao. Number thirty eight is not a very optimistic number, especially since we're recording before Napoli Real Madrid. And number 38 is Le Botte in Italian and Mazzato in Neapolitan. In English, it would be The Beating. The Beating. Oh, so this um, could go both ways, to be honest. It could, I mean, come yep. on. We could be doing <laughs> The Beating or we could yeah, be okay. the, the Beaten, depending on whatever you're into. We, yeah. we don't kink shame on in the shadow of a senior head. <laughs> but now imagine going to Lecce. I went to Lecce once, uh, had a really good time. In fact, I... I work with people in uh, in Bari, and and some of them are from Lecce, and it's a good spot, isn't it? Imagine going to the beach in Puglia after a victory. You absolute plonker, Michele. Anyway, did you have a decent weekend watching that match? In the oh meantime? yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was good. It was okay. an extremely. I didn't have the most active of weekends. I'll mm-hmm. be honest. I had a pretty I mean, do I want to define it lazy? I don't think it was necessarily lazy. But it was a good weekend. I liked it. The weather was fine. I was mostly indoor, though, for it. But the weather was perfect. And uh, yeah, yesterday I had a very classic Neapolitan Sunday, probably, I would say. Because I had lunch from 1 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. Something oh, like lovely. that. Who were you yeah. having lunch with? with? With your family? or other My friends? girlfriend's family. Hey, with yeah. the old... Were the old in-laws, mate? Yeah, man. <laughs> it was. It, and it's not her something... dad's a, a Napoli fan, right? So you have oh, yeah, that no. point in common. Did, huge, did, yeah, the, no, did you bring up the subject of Napoli during this um, pranzo gigante, or whatever you would call it? I didn't. I didn't bring it up. I we we talked about it the day before. So usually, when we see each other, like we always discuss Napoli, especially if there was a like a fresh game. So after the 
uh, Genoa game, I think we met, and he said, he looked at me and said, we don't have to talk about anything today. I said, yes, I agree. And then it just, <laughs> it just stopped there. It's like, yeah, there's absolutely nothing to talk about. But now, Was it yeah, the now, first game you watched with him? Of the Empoli debacle? The Empoli-Napoli, yes. Two, yeah, 3-2. And we were winning. We, we were two goals up. And then, yeah, it was the absolute, yeah, the absolute first game. And the second game we watched together was Napoli Cremonese in Coppa Italia. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, just never right? ever watch anything with him ever we, again, please. We literally have, haven't watched another game together. Like, we comment on games that we haven't watched. And this, yeah, I mean, I'm not in a rush to do that again. And he's but not I, in a rush to do that again, too. So. In fact, there were, there were echoes of that Empoli game against Lecce. Merits, he was lucky with that handball decision because it was, it did remind me of that awful. It was like five minutes we could see the three. Anyway, let's not think about that. So what we're going to do today, everybody, is we are going to talk about Victor Osimhen, but not for a huge amount of time, because I would really like to also talk about the Lecce and Udinese victories, which I think are really interesting. I really want to talk to you, Michele, about what you saw in the stadium against Udinese, um, particularly in terms of the Cavalli-Scalia performance and celebration, which is right in front of you in Curva B. I'm surprised there's anything left of you. Uh, but also I want you know, the lowdown on Natan and Ostergaard as a defensive pairing, because I think it's something we've been talking about and you got to see them in action. Um, yeah. And obviously we do need to talk about the Osimhen situation. We put a, a really good, well, not really good, but we got a lot of really good responses to a tweet, which I'm going to use as a way of steering this conversation, if that's all right with you, Michele. Yeah, sure. um, so what we did, that was really fun. I was just looking for Twitter on my, on my phone and I couldn't see it. I was like, where's the blue, the little blue bird? And I've forgotten that Elon Musk has completely screwed the whole thing over by making it X. Um, so we were chatting, weren't we, on WhatsApp. And sort of between the two of us, we came up with a, a spectrum of discussing this issue. Yes. Because you have, I think we've all seen on social media and people we've spoken to, two clear sides. And obviously the universe doesn't exist like that. And often you have an opinion that's somewhere between those two sides. So this manifests itself into this tweet that we put out. So now we've heard from both sides. One, so one end of the spectrum is number one, the club is awful and utterly at fault. And 10 is Victor Ossiman has disrespected the Tifosi by not defending them sooner. So that's the spectrum between one and 10. And you have to pick a number which indicates how, how you stand on this issue. Do you think I explained that well, McKinley? Uh, yeah. Oh, 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 uh, yeah, well, it's okay. I, People already know what they're talking about anyway. And I'm going to quick fire the replies. We've got a lot of replies. Thank you, everybody. And our Twitter is at Shadow of Vesuvio. Anyone that would like to give us a follow. So, Mike Fazzari, five. I'm not going to leave the comments as well. Go and have a look at the tweet. Uh, Rose Rankin, one. Thomas, man on pod underscore Thomas, one. VJ De Rossi. Four, Vittorio Vecchione, 5.5. Antonio, uh, sorry, Anthony Costa, two. Sal, one. Nifty Mittens, two and a half. Someone called Rational Supporter, one. Phil Turner, three. Stephen Napoli CC, the archaeologist extraordinaire. Hey, Stephen. Two. Uh, You know, football, four. Roberto, seven. The famous Dan Bowen. Hey, Dan. Two. Tom Cowley, two. Tom Dixon, three. Ken Chalfredi. Ciao, Ken. Four. Boo, boo. Oh, they can't boo Ken. Actually, let's boo Ken. Um, so that's mostly steering towards putting the blame towards the club. I think we feel perhaps slightly differently about this. And, and I just want to yes. frame this conversation with that. Obviously, the, the, there's a de- lots of different things that are going on here. Um, and it can be quite an emotive issue for some people. So just uh, please listen. And if you disagree, that's fine. Uh, we're, not exp- we're not doing this in a way to try to convert you through to our way of thinking. We're just expressing what we think about the issue. So 
I've been doing lots of talking. Michaela, where are you on the spectrum between one and 10-ish, would you say? As I told you, so just to recap, from one being, this is the uh, club's fault, and 10 being, this is Aussie Man's fault, I, my number is eight. My well, number is eight. Eight. So we're just going to let that sink in, everybody. Yes. So no, no, none of our listeners. This could be the last episode of In the Shadow of a I think it is. I think, I, I think I'm probably done here. But yeah. None of our listeners have gotten anywhere near that. The closest that's, that's come to you is, is Roberto with a seven. So like, I just have to say that there are a lot of reactions that I've seen, particularly from people in Naples, that are actually closer to what you just said. Um, I would say I'm around a six, six and a half is where I am um, because I'm a plastic. Um, oh, that's reasonable. So who wants to go first? Who wants to explain the score first? Would you like to go first? Would you like me to go first, Michele? I think it's better if you go first because your opinion is a little bit more moderate, let's say. Okay, so like, I think there's three things going on here. What's important for me is that there are two videos here that have happened. One is the penalty miss video and the second is the coconut video, right? So like the penalty video for me is a silly thing to do during a contract negotiation, but it's a kind of TikTok thing. Lots of other accounts do that. Um, and I think to react to the level that Victor Ossiman did to that is an overreaction. And then not saying anything for quite a long time doesn't help, right? The coconut video is a different kettle of fish. And we're not going to go into the ins and outs of it, but historically, it is a racial slur, more in the English-speaking world. And obviously, the club were not aware of this. Obviously, the social media manager was not aware of this. However, I think they could have dealt with that in the statement. They could have said, we were unaware of the fact that coconut historically has been a racial slur. This was actually responding to a TikTok trend. Whether a fat right... Michele, there are thousands of videos with coconut in them, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, but they could have addressed that and said, you know, we apologize for using that. We were not using it in this way. The person who's done it is going to find out more. We're going to put them on a race awareness course or whatever. Okay. They could have nipped that in the bud straight away. And then that could have opened the path perhaps for Ossie statement to happen a bit quicker. In the end, what happened was that you had lots of statements that took too long to come out. The club statement I thought was appalling and terrible. It was like, we're sorry for how you feel. I said to you before the show, McKinley, that was the kind of apology that my brother would give to me after he used to beat me up when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> like when you're forced to apologize by your, by your mom, dad, uh, that didn't help anything. But then Aussie men, you know, there was a huge reaction from like the Nigerian government, lots of Nigerian fans who obviously worship Aussie men starting to bring in other things about the city of Naples and Neapolitans. And perhaps that statement came a bit too late. I actually thought the statement was pretty good, to be honest, that I thought he actually addressed it quite well. Um, so I think all in all, I think it's about a six. And I always think that, that footballers, in terms of the penalty miss video, just have a bit more of a sense of humor about these things, perhaps, like of it, or an understanding of the broader context, which is that TikTok. And if you think of Ossiman's own social media account before an external company used it, um, he used to he used to tweet out like stuff that was like all over the place. So like that side of it, I think is fine. I think the coconut thing is a different issue, um, but I think could have been handled much better by the club. And as I was, t I've tweeted myself. We just need a bit more professionalism and accountability from the club. That's what I think. What do you think, Michele? Okay. So my number eight is eight, and here's why. So first of all, first of all, I think it's very telling how no one knew for days what the video we were supposed to be offended by was. They, they didn't know because there were two videos, and I think, so I think people just kind of like projected in a way. I don't know. They they just went on Napoli's TikTok account. They saw the first Ossiman videos they could find. Say, ah, oh, yeah, this is for sure the video. And it was so funny to me to see that like there were people, like two sets of people talking about two completely different videos and they were both saying, oh, this is why. So, so if no one knows what even the video is, I think it is pretty clear that 
I mean, there is probably, if there is one video which is offensive, maybe it's not that offensive. If you don't even, if you can't even tell which video it is. Right. So, yeah, right? So, first of all. Second of all, um, my theory, I don't know if it's, a th- I mean, it is a theory because no one actually confirmed it, but the video, so the, t- the, the tweet, so all this situation, this whole thing, was created by Ossiman's agent, and he tweeted, he tweeted, what happened today on Napoli's official profile on TikTok platform is not acceptable, and blah, 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 we reserve the, title, the right to take legal action. So he said, what happened today on Napoli's TikTok account? And as far as I know, what was posted that day was the penalty video. Yes. Okay? Because the coconut video was posted three days earlier. So when people are referring, I think, in my opinion, what happened was that Osiman felt mocked by the penalty video because he was already frustrated with the penalty miss and everything else. I mean, we remember how he was subbed off and he argued with Garcia, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he was um, very frustrated by it. He didn't want to get mocked in a way by this video. So... um, he felt offended by it and he wanted it removed. People went on Napoli's TikTok account. They saw the coconut video and said, oh, yeah, this is it because, uh, yeah, it's racist. Yeah, sure, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's, this is what happened. I don't care too much about the penalty video. I understand that you can feel mocked by it. I don't think it was... So the caption of the video was self-irony. Okay? Mm. So I don't think... Um, I don't think uh, it was. I think it's it, it is very unreasonable to think that Napoli's intention was to mock Osimhen. Why the hell would they mock Osimhen? It's so stupid to think that. I do understand though that maybe you know like it could it was maybe tone deaf, so it wasn't up, like super appropriate, especially if you know what Osimhen, what kind of person Osimhen is. Yeah, and the yeah. contract negotiation as well. So like, I think from like a club professionalism perspective, like your mid-negotiation for a contract, it's probably not the best moment to experiment with developing self-irony in footballers who, let's be honest, footballers and self-irony aren't the best bedfellows, are they? I mean, there's not... You've got a couple of like... I think Martin Darun, the Atalanta midfielder, is a very self-aware, ironic... Uh, social media user and people like him for it but I can't think of too many others that are actually good at this kind of thing so yeah I think the timing if you want to be like uber professional as a club isn't great is it so yeah I agree with you and the thing is I don't think a lot of people are familiar with TikTok's uh, humor do you want do we want to call it that yeah so I'm not a TikTok user I would say thankfully but this is subjective. I have been exposed to TikTok's humor um, like for a while because I have smaller, like younger siblings. So every once in a while, I mean, I see them recording TikToks and my brother follows Napoli on TikTok and he showed me uh, in the past months a few TikTok videos. So I was already familiar with the kind of nonsense because that's i mean i'm gonna sound so old now but the kind of of nonsense that napoli uh, shares on tiktok so when i first saw the videos i thought i I was like okay this is now normal napoli stuff and then everything else happened so what's going on here i think is that first of all ossiman is a very immature person I don't want to be too judged about this, but I think we know. I mean, he's matured a lot in the past few years, but Ozyman is kind of hot-headed. Let's be honest here. Ozyman is not... like, And we love him for it, in a way, because usually his, um, like, his hot-headedness, let's say, like goes like in our favor. You know, he's always very energetic. Like, he also got red-carded. Not too long it, ago. It kind of spurs him on to keep trying. Like, if he scores a goal, he wants to score two. If he scores two, he wants to score three. You know, it's it's that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I'm going to come back at this, though, because I think, like, if I was at work and my without any kind of consultation, 
there was something that went out to everybody at the university that was essentially mocking me for doing something wrong by mistake, I would be quite angry about that, to be honest. Like, that would make me angry, I think. Fair, but I don't think that's the agreement. So let's remember that Napoli has these people's image rights, and I'm 100% for sure in their contract, it is written that they can share at any time whatever they want about Napoli's players. So it's not about not having Ossiman's consent. I don't think it is reasonable to expect Napoli's admin to go to each and every player before sharing anything about them. No, of course. But I think that the actual thing itself um, is something that would make somebody angry. I, I don't think we can judge Ossiman for getting angry about this. I think it would... I think most people on the planet would get angry about that video. That's where we disagree because I think this is an unfunny, stupid video, which ultimately is normal. So we're talking about the penalty video here. Within the language of TikTok, yes. Yeah, within the language of TikTok, this is a normal video. And as you said, Atalanta, like a few days later, shared a very similar video about one of their players. If you go back to old... TikTok videos on Napoli's profile, you see all sorts of similar videos about them. I think this happened because, first of all, Ossiman is a little bit immature. This is my opinion. Second of all, it, it was unfortunate timing. So this is why I picked eight and not ten. All right. Because, okay. Right? Okay. Because it's because I think I think probably you should know better. In a way. So this is still about the penalty video, okay? Like coconut video is a whole different thing. Uh I think I'm give, I'm only I'm mostly only considering the penalty video because I think ultimately this is what this is what created this whole situation. I think it was a misunderstanding that mm. the the protest, let's say, the the mm. threat of threat of legal action was about the coconut video. I don't think it was about that. Yeah. Um and I think, um, um, yeah. but again, what this really highlights is how the way that this situation was publicly communicated sort of by both the club and the player was not great, really. And you had Omar, the, the current persona, the Nigerian journalist, who's actually been on podcasts on the Far From Vesuvius Network. He's spoken to Rafa. He's been actually really open and, and I think... Um, sort of receptive to Napoli fans came out with this strange film talking about how Osman's going to leave for free and he's so offended. I think some context on that is that he'd literally, his partner had given birth to a child an hour before he recorded that video. So I think perhaps he wasn't thinking 100% clearly about the whole thing. We we do have to give him a little bit of um, of space on that. Anyone listening who has who is a parent can probably understand that it's probably not the best moment to, to think clearly about something. Um, so yes. And then that fallout really did shine a spotlight on Naples and Napoli. And it did reveal all the usual stuff that comes out in terms of assumptions and things that people are making. There was some very shoddy um, journalism, I think go, going on in terms of how, how things were were presented and again all of this stuff could have been nipped in the bud if a the club statement was was more intelligent and more sensitive um and b if Ossiman had come out quicker to say that i think the two things are connected that Ossiman obviously wasn't happy with that club statement which is why he probably held his statement back um yeah i i agree but ultimately what i think is that Napoli's video was perfectly normal in the context of TikTok's humor. Mm. It is not unprecedented, not by Napoli, nor by any other team, I think. Again, I'm not a TikTok user, but I've been told and I've seen similar videos from Napoli um, and from other teams. So I think this is a normal video. The only the, the only reason why this blew up is because Ossiman was nervous was frustrated and he decided to be angry about this for mm. some reason. I blame him for this, which is why I picked number eight, because I think this was a very, very immature way to approach this problem, to involve your agent and threaten legal action for a stupid TikTok video and 
also about a penalty you, miss. Yeah. Yes, and the audio in the TikTok video was like a messy whatever, like it was a TikTok trend. Like it was to mock Messi. It wasn't even about Aussie man. It was something like, and mm. again, the caption was self irony. Um, what I really, really, really didn't like about this whole thing, and the reason why I it made me very upset up until like uh, Aussie man statement on Instagram was that people assumed that it was uh, it was about the coconut video. They put a whole racist thing on it, and a lot of people just said, you know, for a lot of people, this was enough to label the whole city of Naples as a racist city, uh, the club as a racist club. You know, it is very easy. I also tweeted about this because I think it is very easy to just see, ah, oh, something racist coming from Italy. Oh, yeah, that's it. Italy equals because racist. It's everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's tough that there is a fascist in charge of the country who is, like, making life incredibly difficult for immigrants, particularly, I think you could... It's not controversial to say the experience of African immigrants in, in Italy has been made much more difficult because of Georgia Maloney's policies. Not that we want to go into politics, but I think people saw that and they put everything together okay. and didn't do the due process to look at actually the history of Naples, the history of black players playing for Napoli, which goes right the way back to the 60s with Cane, who was, you know, one of three kind of trailblazing black players um, who played in, in Serie A and was completely adored by the um Napoli to Fozzi. Um, but also some of the statements that Koulibaly has, has said about being a, a black Muslim, um, not just living in Naples, but the way that he was treated by the club. Um, and it's all out there in, in, in public record, right? Yes. But put yourself in my shoes, like everyone. Like, I, I think probably, I mean, a lot of people supporting Napoli kind of feel Neapolitan in a way, but me being from here, thing is, all of a sudden, I've seen a lot of comments online labeling me me as a racist just because I'm Neapolitan. Mm. And then when I when I researched this, I wait, I'm a racist now? Wait, what happened? And then I saw the reason behind this, and it was a a coconut video, like literally a video of like a stupid TikTok trend saying, I'm not a boy, I'm not a girl, I'm a coconut. Mm. Like this is why I'm racist. This is enough for you. To label a whole city as racist, really? Is that stupid? Then, if we wanna go into it, I understand that coconut can be used in a racist way. I understand that. I also think it is very stupid to think that that video was made with racist intent. I think there is a difference. It doesn't excuse doesn't excuse the admin or whoever made the video completely. But I don't. I do think there is a, a difference between using a word in a racist way and using a word for whatever that was, I don't know, it was supposed to be funny apparently, ignoring yeah. the fact that they, that word has a um, like racist undertone. Uh, I don't yeah. think it's reason. I understand that, you know, like people can get offended. It is their right to be offended by it. I don't also think it is not reasonable to assume that everyone knows like the everything about racist words like, word. i don't think coconut i mean honestly I, I mean i feel like i've learned something here because i think a 99.9 percent .9 of people didn't know that coconut was used in a racist way i think in it italy is for sure yeah in italy for sure yeah i think it is and i think like, now we yeah, know but now we know now we know yeah and and that, and fair I, enough and that's where again the club statement was cracked because i think that actually the the way that that could very easily have been presented is to say you know We've made clear to the social media manager that of the kind of the, the the racial history of this word, and we were not aware of that when we posted a video. We have deleted it, and this is something that we're, or whatever you know, something like that, which is basically what you've just said, which is completely reasonable. And I think that that kind of absence of a, any kind of information on it then created this vacuum, which was filled with all the usual prejudices towards Napoli and Naples. Um, yeah, but then I again, think it's good I that we can also talk about this stuff as well. I think this, there's some people are kind of, you know, a lot of the work that I do professionally is also working in terms of sort of anti-racist um, pedagogy and education. And, you know, we are speaking as two white people talking about racism. And I think that it's important that we, we can talk about this and we can position ourselves with an understanding of that as well. And I think, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to learn 
uh, about this too. Uh, but I also agree with you. I think that the what the complaint was about was that penalty video. And yes. I think the, the the coconut video was something which which actually caused the fallout of it. And again, just the club just needed to respond to it, I think. Yeah, and um, the, the main problem is that this will probably, like the the, the uh, consequences of this whole thing, this whole fiasco will probably last for years. I still yeah. I still read comments from people saying that Napoli is a racist city because of I don't know I don't know if you remember that because of that Balotelli picture or video of him crying in the mm. bench in a Napoli uh Napoli Milan I think it was. So if you if you guys don't know what that was, don't remember. Basically it was a Napoli Milan Balotelli got subbed off. He played very poorly in that game. He got subbed off and he started crying on the bench for some reason. That's it. Literally, that's it. People saw that video, again said, oh, a black person is crying in Italy in a stadium. This must mean that he was racially abused. Literally, that's it. It wasn't even like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I heard something that kind of resembled like a racist chant. So it... No, 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 nothing. Like Literally, they saw a black player crying in an Italian stadium and everyone assumed it was about racism. And they said, ah, you know, racist, uh, Napoli is so racist, Napoli is so racist. And no one even answered to that because no one knew what the hell everyone was talking about. Mm. Balotelli has a Neapolitan daughter. His daughter is the Neapolitan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just sad. Literally, it was just sad because he played so poorly and I guess he wanted to score. And I still see people saying, Ah, do you remember what happened with Balotelli? Yeah, Napoli is a racist city. Really? So, and that was much smaller than what we saw now because now even the Nigerian Nigerian government got involved. Yeah, exactly. well, yeah, I mean, but government, I mean, like the English government got involved with a, with a cricket game between England and Australia. Governments really have a, have a way of getting involved in things that they really shouldn't. Um, okay, but go so, look at Napoli's Facebook and see all the comments behind, like under any... Napoli oh yeah, right yeah, now. and there's now this kind of very mobilized, um, yes. yeah, contingent of people that are, that, that are saying things. I think also, I mean, I think to zoom out on it and sort of the issue of of racism in Italian football stadiums, which is a thing. We're not pretending that's not a thing. Hundred percent, but it's not a dreadful in thing. It plagues the game, um, but it really shows that the FIGC needs to sort their stuff out and actually really start to address this properly. Because again, if there was any kind of coherent plan behind sorting out racism in stadiums in Italy, then a lot of these conversations wouldn't immediately jump to conclusions. Because I think a lot of people outside of Italy, you know, read about the racism in the stadiums, which happens, you know, at least once a month, sometimes even more from various teams and places, don't see the league trying to do anything about it. And then it's actually quite easy, isn't it, to just think that every single stadium experience is the same. Um, Although just in the interest of balance, there was an accusation towards Napoli fans being racist towards uh, Moses Ken, the Juventus player last year, but I'm not entirely sure what happened with that in terms of the conclusions of the investigation. Um, so you know there have been some accusations of racism from Napoli Tifosi, but I think that was a very very. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember there being a conclusion about that. So. I don't remember. The only I don't think anything. Like remotely racist has happened in Napoli. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it is true. Like I never like I've been going there for years, and even like again, everyone is very sensitive about this. So the as soon as you hear anything remotely racist in an Italian stadium, even though as you pointly as you pointed out correctly, this is like there are some racist parts in this country, but the reasons it, it is taken it's not something that is taken as normal. So if something racist happens in a stadium. It makes the news. And the thing is with Napoli is that people love, love to shit on Napoli. So if something remotely racist happened in Napoli, in a in Napoli stadium, you would hear about it. It wouldn't be in doubt. You would 100% hear about it. I guarantee that you never heard anything about it because it never, it's never happened. Like, I, honestly, I pay attention to this. And we I'm have... pretty sure that did happen in Turin. I think that was when it was some away fans, potentially. Um, Okay, I think that was. I think we, you know, we talked about it. We didn't shy away, and I think I'm quite intrigued to know what our listeners think as well. But again, we're not trying to indoctrinate you into what we think. We're just expressing what we think. Um, 
I don't know if you've noticed, but Napoli have won two games in a row, scoring four goals in each game. McKay. Yeah. Um just when um we didn't do any podcasts. So it's our, our tradition of not podcasting when when Napoli win. Yes. Uh, that was my fault. I'm mean, on a writing deadline. I'm very, very sorry, everybody. But I did get the chapter written and my book deal is still happening for you. Um, so let's start with Lecce. It was an away game. Where did you watch it? What did you eat? I watched it at home because Saturday at 3 p.m. is a really horrible kickoff time to go anywhere. Like pubs are closed at 3 p.m. So, yeah, because pubs here only open at night. So it was kind of, yeah, a weird time. So I watched it at home with my father and, and a friend. And yeah, we, it was amazing. We played so well. Uh, I don't know, man. We it's like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I was last, I mean, we were talking when we last had a part of like, maybe we're wrong about Garcia and it's all going to turn out fine. And I'm not sure. I mean, it's hard to judge against a team. Like, I think Lecce started the season very well, but they're obviously on a bit of a downward curve. Um, but it was really enjoyable as a game, wasn't it? Like, who, who stood out for you and, and the people you were watching with? Who was your... Who was your dad saying was like someone that they thought played played well? I think we all liked Nathan. He was yes. very solid. Was very, very solid. And obviously we are paying a lot of attention to him because he's the new guy. And he was yep. a big question mark. He is still a question mark. I mean, I'm not gonna say after two games he's the best, but he's the best. He is the best player I have ever seen in my entire life. Ballon d'Or. I think he's better than Messi. <laughs> I think it's better than like in like in the history of sports. He's probably the best athlete I have ever been able to see. So, no, actually, no. I, I, I don't, I don't want gr- to jump to conclusions. So it's the greatest different. Brazilian footballer of all time. That's what. That's what. I don't want to put too much pressure on him. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's let's settle on that. Yeah. So he was reasonably okay. Um, I think we. I mean, obviously, we liked uh, Aussie men when he got in. I think probably the best one was Caracelia again. Which yep. makes me very, very happy because I was, I wasn't, I mean, no one was happy with his performances since March, kind of. Yeah. Right. It's been like, like six, seven months, isn't it, since he scored or scored a goal? But yeah. what a joy he's been. I mean, I want to talk about Kavatskelia a bit later once we're talking about Udinese. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's just, he's such an enjoyable player to watch. Um, what about the, your doppelganger, Gaetano? <laughs> you know. Is he really my doppelganger? He's very ugly, no? Well, you're <laughs> I, very ugly. Okay, <laughs> okay right. fair. Okay, that's it. That's, that's, that's. Brutto. Yes, very brutto. Uh, Gaetano was okay. I mean, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge Gaetano to be honest. He, I don't know. I don't know. He plays. He plays. He doesn't play regularly. Yeah, I mean, everyone is capable of putting in like ten excellent minutes once every two years. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not able to judge Gaetano. I don't see him too often. Yeah, Maybe but it was. But when he's come on, he's actually looked good. I think the whole. It's interesting. We were talking about the Mercato quite a lot in the early pods, and this is something I want to talk about: is that actually we didn't get Vega, Zelinsky stayed, and Zelinsky's been fantastic. I thought he was brilliant at the weekend. He created the most chances. Um, I'm really enjoying his new haircut, which I think is like Cruyff meets Christ. That's how I would describe Zelinsky's hair. Um, just seems much more senior on the pitch. Obviously, he's got over 300 appearances now for, for Napoli. 49 goals. Um, and then seeing Gaetano get on the pitch and score. And I think there's opportunity for much more minutes for him, actually. And maybe we're going to see what he's like, what, 23 now, 22, 23, uh, a bit more time. I think it's actually all worked out quite well in terms of our midfield Mercato. How are you feeling about Zelensky? Because you were like, get rid of him, I hate him, can't, can't be asked. That's what you said to me on this pod. I've got the recordings, Michele. <laughs> I didn't say I hate him. <laughs> did I say you that? Did. I don't think so. You did. You were, you were very, you said you hated him and you hate all Polish people. Ah, oh, that's true. Okay, that sounds like me. Then. No, you didn't say any of that. But you were a bit sort of like maybe... I just, I just thought about it, yeah. Yeah, so you were sort of thinking maybe it might be a good moment to move him on. But how do you feel about seeing him on the pitch now? No, I mean, it's being very, very good. But Zeliski has it in him to be good. The thing is that he's usually not good, not for too long. Yeah. That's been Zeliski's problems for, for years now. He's very good and then he's invisible. So, no, I'm happy. I mean, 
I love Zielinski on a personal level. I think, I mean, I love when players stay for such a long time in our club. He's, get, he's going for the, you know, like how, how old is he? Like 30 or something? I think so, he's 30, yeah. So, I mean, sooner or later, we're going to have to to sell him. He's I, He has my birthday, actually. So he's 29. Yeah. He's going to be, yeah, he's going to be 30 uh, next year. He's not old, but sooner or later, we're going to have to sell him. And if, it is true that we received an offer for like 30 millions for Zelinski. Then I think, I mean, no one is irreplaceable. So I think probably it would have been a good time to to sell him, provided that we had a substitute from the team. Yeah, but also I think, I think losing Kim and losing Zelinski, you're losing the spine of the team in terms of people who, who've been around. I know Kim was only here for one season, but he was so good. I think it would have been probably one fundamental cog gone too many i think perhaps and we're seeing because it's interesting how things have turned around there was reportedly some kind of squad meeting i think clearly from what you can see on the pitch before this these two games and after the two games that there's been some kind of sense of squad responsibility and obviously they've communicated with garcia garcia has communicated back so, so we're starting to see things like short passing as an attacking move, short first time passing. Onguisa was brilliant, I thought, at this, particularly in the first half of just being a kind of pivot to move things forward in terms of short passing. Um, and actually having someone like Zelinski around in the dressing room, I think, could also help some of those conversations. I mean, compare and contrast the Insigne. Did you see the video of Insigne in uh, Canada, Michele? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Swearing. It was, it was Swearing at the fans. So I think, yeah, it's, it is a bit sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah like, it is. Yeah, no, yeah, regarding Zielinski, I'm happy he stayed, but I'm also of the opinion that if we receive a good offer for any of our players, let's say a very good offer for any of our players, I think we should sell them. I think this should be the Napoli's tactic on the transfer market. And the funny thing is that uh, De Laurentiis agreed with me. Uh, what you guys are best friends yeah a few years ago so i mean i i I pay a lot of attention on this thing and that i don't know if you remember that but we were about to sell the rumors were that we're about to sell alan to psg for 80 millions yeah years ago and the lion said no no way no way and then at the end of the day we had to sell alan for like what like 20 millions to everton and yeah, we lost I a remember. lot of money on that. And the yeah. same thing happened with Isai, apparently. Isai, uh, yeah, he was going to go for like 40 million or something, wasn't it? To Chelsea. Exactly. So there was a phase where De Laurentiis didn't want to sell any players whatsoever because he thought it, w- it could be like an amazing team. And he didn't want to sell any players at all. The, the thing kind of backfired in a way. Yeah. And he, he had a press conference after a while and he literally said, from now on, if we receive a good offer for our players, we're going to sell them. We are not the kind of team that can afford not to sell players for crazy offers. And I agree, I agree with, with him. Yeah. I agree yeah. with you, apart from one, one player. Because I think, okay, if Ossiman goes and we get a lot of money, we, he's been central to this good effort. We've seen Ossiman as best. It's been a privilege. Obviously, we'd love him to stay for the rest of his career. But if you go, okay... As you say, big offer for Zelensky. I'll be personally very sad because I like him as a person. I like the fact he's just like you. Also, I like how he plays football as well. There's not many footballers like Zelensky in world football. Kavaraskelia, I just want him to stay for a little bit longer. I think if, if Kavaraskelia stay for another year and a half and we sell him just at the absolute apex, that would be great. What was it like seeing him against Udinese in the stadium from Corvo B? No, I agree with you, first of all about Karaskele. Obviously, I think players should stay with us at least three years and then we can sell them. Otherwise, yeah. it, it, like even selling Kim, obviously it wasn't our choice to sell him because he had a release cost. But selling Kim after one year, yeah, I think it created a bad precedent. Yeah. Still, he gave us a Scudetto. He was the best defender in the league. So if we have to sell one player after one year, I prefer it to be like a Kim-like player. So a player that comes, like shows... To be the best in the league and then leaves wins for a the lot league. of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can leave, wins leave. the league. Wins yeah, the league. Exactly. So yeah, but, yeah. So, but, yeah, yeah no. Karaskelia is go, very young. Yeah. It's very young. If you can sell him now, but you can also sell him in two years for the same for the same amount of money, if not more. So I agree with you. Um, 
But in general, I think that we are not the kind of thing which can afford to reject like 100 millions, 80 millions for Alan, 40 millions for Isai, 150 millions or 30 or 20 millions for Ossiman. I don't think we are that kind of team. So I think we should sell these players if they've stayed with us for at least two or three years. Because with 150 millions, you can do a lot of things. You can build a stadium. Not that we're ever going to do that. But no, in exactly. theory, you could build a stadium. Like at least you can, like it's a down payment for a new stadium. And you can so, pay yeah. members of Varela de Laurentiis' family really well to be on oh, board. Oh, yeah, that kind yeah. Of money. Um, the whole family. But yeah, no, Kraskela against Sudinese, amazing, great. Uh, I, I record that, like, I w- I, so I'm trying to be a little bit more social media friendly lately. Right, destroying <laughs> it earlier. Now look at you. No, no TikTok. Never, never TikTok. I'm sorry, but I'm just. I'm gonna draw the line at TikTok. But I've been trying to be more active on social media, so uh, I'm gonna be active on the new tweet. I mean, it's new. I mean, I opened it a, a year a year ago, and then I forgot about it. But yeah, I'll, I'll try to be more active on the new. What is the handle? Tweet. Go on, Michele, so we can. Michele GNT. Michele GNT. GNT, get Napoli tickets. It's the post. Cool, cool. Michele GNT uh, with one L, please. Maybe, yeah, maybe should have been Mike GNT. Anyway, um, I posted a video of Carascalia celebration on my Instagram because I'm, I'm going to try to cover Napoli games on, on Instagram. Now, I'll mm. try to post, to post some. I've been asked to do this. I've done it against Udinese. People really, really appreciated it. I understand. Well, it was a glorious celebration. Like he leaped yeah. over the advertising holdings, and he walked with great passion towards, I think, you individually, Michele. It in was, yeah, it was always, yeah, always. So one thing I want to say, actually, I'm thinking about it now, is that we have kind of superstition. Me and a friend of mine in Curva B. So the superstition is that if we play the first half attacking towards Curva B. We're gonna lose the game, <laughs> and lately, with Garcia, since the start of the season, we've done that a lot. Even last towards the end of last season, we've done that a lot. So the idea is that the idea is that we play the second half versus uh, like towards us in Curva B, so we see the best and most important goals right in front of us. But we've, we've noticed over the months and years that if we don't do that, we lose. If we play, so it, it came to a point that when we see that the, the, the teams are, you know, like are placing themselves in the wrong halves of the pitch in the first half, then we 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 say like, oh, okay, it's done. We're gonna lose this. Too bad, you know. Let's let's think about the next game. And we must yeah, have I mean, a listener who can do the stats. Anyone listening that enjoys this kind of thing, please tell us the the win percentage <laughs> of Napoli. When the second half, when Napoli are attacking towards Curva B in the second yes. half, this is all to say that when we saw Napoli attacking towards Curva A in the first half, we looked at each other's eyes and said, "This is done. We're gonna win this. There is no way we're gonna lose this now." And lo and behold, we actually won for one. So, I don't, is this superstition? If it's true, I don't think it is. It's it's the the truth. But I think it was. I mean, I'm terrible at remembering things in terms of Napoli. I'm just I'm a very in the moment fan. Same. But my hunch is that that's my favorite Cavalletskelia performance with all the different contexts because it was such a miserable start to the season. You know, you've heard us complain listeners, I'm sorry everybody. And there was just something joyous about that performance. Hitting the post twice. Um he was just ravenously hungry to score and make things happen in a very sort of old school like George Best or getting those sorts of um, classic mid-20th century wide forwards and that goal was beautiful like just pressing the fullback and the little dink over Silvestri which was really really skillful and the celebration did the whole curva just like compress towards after that goal oh yeah no. so what one of the things I like about being in the stadium is just that, you know, that even even though sometimes the goals don't matter, you still kind of hope for a goal, obviously because Napoli is playing, but especially because of a player. So you get behind the, uh, like one player and you really, really, because you can see it like in, in, from the television, you cannot see 
like all the nuances, you know, all the small details. I mean, you we also, I think, in, on television, you also saw that after he hit the post, like oh, the yes, way he reacted, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was like that the whole game. The whole game was so frustrated. So we really, really wanted him to to score. Like so, when he did, I, I mean, you could see from his celebration, it was just like a massive, a massive release of tension for him, of stress, of frustration. It was for him, and it was for us too. So he came. I mean, he came. Good timing directly. as well. Huh? Yeah, good time. He came towards me because I mean, we have this thing going. I mean, we. And he's a big fan of the show. I mean, you know. I mean, who isn't? But yeah, it was. It was. It was great. We were all very, very happy, and it was one of the best performances from Carlos Kelly I've ever seen. It was he hit the yeah. pose? He scored the goal, assist, penalty, everything. Yeah. Like it, honestly, yeah. ten out of ten. What that's going for. I've got an old colleague who used to go and see George Best live and the way that he talks about seeing Best, Bestie play for Manchester United, uh, it really sounds like the same emotions that Cavalazzcalia inspires in us, Napoli to foresee. Um, also, Cavalazzcalia, boyhood Real Madrid fan, just coming into form. Right. I mean, he could, he could make a big statement um, right. tomorrow. By me. Yes. And then go back to you, I think. But I think um, that's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Cavalla against Madrid is going to be in both legs really exciting. Just briefly, Ostergaard, Natan together. What, what's, what was that like from your perspective? I'm actually rather excited about this pairing. I don't think Ostergaard is the best of players, to be honest. I think it's a little bit immature. But what he said, I liked his interview. So first of all, he gave an interview after the game on the Italian television. And I was surprised to learn he doesn't speak Italian. Like a lot of our players don't speak Italian. That's surprising. Yeah. That's very surprising. But anyway, um, he's very young. And what he said was, I'm young, but Nathan is also young. So we have to learn a lot. You know, in, so it, for some reason, I assumed Ostergaard was older. It was like 27 or I don't know why. But, you yeah, know, it was it was a good point. They are still young. I think Ostigar, it, it scares me a little bit. But overall, is solid. And I think he's amazing with headers. Well, like I've always said, if we play Ostigar as a starter, we're going to get like five, six or seven goals at least per season from headers, which is a lot, you know, which is and a he lot. Scored, he scored against um, Lecce T, open the scoring, right? So, yeah. yeah. What so tell me a bit about Natan's personality on the pitch? Did you you might or were you too busy watching Lobotka? True, I was. I I'm, I'm maybe we don't have time to cover Lobotka again now. This should just be a Lobotka podcast. I'd be happy but, with that. I'd be very yeah. happy with that. In but in the no, shadow yeah. of Lobotka. Yeah, like you have no idea. Like <laughs> like when I watch the game, how many times I just just I, I'm extremely happy. Let's say. About Lobotka, you know, like like literal physical arousal from Lobotka and the way he does things is just too much to, for me. But like Nathan gives me Nathan. I mean, seems very solid. Like it's surprisingly solid. Surprisingly, because I didn't expect it at all. Uh, well, because Garcia kept him out of the team. I was expecting this kind of made out of paper centre back or a kind yeah. of David Luiz, the guy with the big, the Brazilian with the big hair that was this kind of very rash kind of all over the place defender. Whereas Natan seems sort of the opposite of that. Not that yeah. we want to talk him up too much so he can make a series of awful mistakes against Real Madrid, but oh, yeah. he seems to have, you know, we, you were talking about how impressed you were with Kim as a leader at the back. And obviously Natan's a young centre-back, he's not going to be a leader, but there does seem to be a presence about him that has created a solidity at the back that yeah. was not there in the first first bit of the season, right? Yeah, uh, no, I agree. and. I think Nathan, so it's funny because, like, obviously, as a joke, as soon as you see a new player playing and he does one thing good, you say, ah, this is the best player ever. This is yeah. so good. Best Brazilian player say, of all time. Yeah, you say it jokingly, kind of, and, uh, until the moment he makes a mistake and then say, oh, okay, that's it, here we go. But uh, we, we're still waiting for that mistake, it hasn't come. <laughs> So, I mean, it will come. There will be a moment this season or a couple of moments where he'll make a mistake. He's a young oh, for sure. Even year, yeah, Kim Kim made many mistakes. That's, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's reasonable to expect any player not to make mistakes. But this guy, honestly, uh, I think he has a style of play which is very safe and very um, risk-averse in a way. 
So he's not he's not Koulibaly in a sense that he's very flashy. You know, he takes risks, but then when he actually is successful, like with his tackles, for example, like the whole stadium erupts, this kind of thing. I don't think he kind of like Nathan kind of likes to tackle too, but it's not in a Koulibaly kind of way. Um, yeah. I think and that, that's what comes out of the TV. So that's interesting yeah. that that's come up to you. Because, I mean, you spent 45 minutes when he was right in front of you. Like, what I've noticed is that I kind of forget Nathan is on the pitch, with it, which mm-hmm. is very good for a centre-back, I yeah. think. Because yeah. it means that he's making no mistakes. And, you know, it. I mean, one mistake from a centre-back, it means big problems, right? Yeah. So this means that it doesn't take big risks in terms of defending and in terms of attacking. So it means that it doesn't risk, um, let's say, problematic passes. Koulibaly, for example, used to just take the ball and just gallop uh, like for like 60 meters, 70 meters, right? It's very flashy, but 99% of the times it, it was just nothing. It was just Koulibaly taking unnecessary risks. I don't see Nathan doing this. Maybe I will be wrong about this, but so far... Just, yeah, he's yeah. going like, to lose the ball. He's going to try to dribble through the whole Real Madrid team, lose yeah, the successfully, ball. Successfully. But, and then I score mean, the greatest goal of all time, yeah. Yeah, sure. But it's just two games. So you don't see a whole player in two games. So what I've seen so far is it's amazing. I really like it. I like how I can forget about him. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people feel like that about me. Um, Okay, we've covered a lot. That's good. I'm glad we had a proper chat about Osimhen. I'm glad we've also talked about the positives um, because there's been a lot of them. And just to reinforce the point that what I'm excited about with this team is the fact that you've got the mister and you've got the squad communicating with each other. I think there does seem to have been a bit of a compromise. And actually, the dream, isn't it, that, that Garcia builds on what Spalletti built. And so we can do both. And there was, yeah, I'm not going to jinx it, but let's see, promising. Let's see how things go against Real Madrid. Do you have a Neapolitan expression of the week, Michele, to, to sum all of this up? Yes, I have a Napoleon expression of the week. I think, I think last week phrase was uh, well, it wasn't last week, but the last phrase we said was uh, appreciated by a lot of people. I got a few people getting in touch with me saying, "Oh yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know." So I already planned to continue in that direction. And the phrase Napoli the... history with Michele Borelli. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's Napoli history this time. It's just that. I think it is a very interesting phrase. So it's kind of like last uh, last time. And uh, the phrase of the week is Manach o Pataturk, which is something that is used a lot in Naples too. Manage, so it's something that you, you blame. So again, Manaja, um, I think not even Neapolitan know what it means. Manaja is just something that people say. Manaja, I've researched this because I'm learning a lot with this now, but manacha is basically um, it comes from uh, male ne aja, which means uh, I it's hard to translate this in, kind of, it's kind of like wishing kind of like blaming someone. For Ma- someone. What, what does aja mean? Aja is avere to have, but to in have, Napolitan. So like a, a bad... Yeah, so it's like bad you have, like literally translated yeah, yeah. as bad you have. It's kind of like blame, like curse you, you know, like kind of like I. A little bit like the, the malocchio that you could put on someone. Kind of, yeah. So yeah. manager means it's it's a way to blame something or someone. So manager last last time was manager aculon. So I blame the colon in a way, kind of. Yeah. This time is manager o patatur. And I, I guarantee you, everyone in Napoli says that, and no one knows why. No one knows why we say Pataturk. And it is funny because as I think a lot of people, if people knew uh, had to take a guess, they would probably think that it was about Ataturk. Ataturk was, was Mustafa Kemal, who was like a very famous Turkish political figure. And Pataturk, so people would assume, yeah, maybe we had something against Turks, and yeah, we're blaming. Like someone Turkish for something. Um, I assumed that too. I didn't research it and I assumed that was the case. But now I researched it and that's actually not the case. 
So Here we go. the power yeah. of research. As a university lecturer, it's always good when someone has actually done the research. Very good. Yeah. So, part, so part, it is Pataturk because it is a mixture of the words patata, potatoes, and kruko. So kruko is a... Um, yeah, kruko is like a... Not, I wouldn't say offensive, but it's not a nice way to call... Uh, German people. Uh, I wouldn't say it's offensive because it means nothing. It's just like if you want to, if you want to refer to someone German in a colloquial adult, sense. Yeah, yeah, but it's like ne- negative connotations, but not not heavy negative okay. connotation. But kind yeah. of like in a way. So you would say "kruko." Uh, even today, you would say "kruko" as you know, referring to a German. So m- maybe someone is going to tell me that "kruko" is like this super racist word. But as far as I know. Crew yeah. means nothing. Just a way. It's an Italian way to refer to German people in a. And if it like is a fact, we will issue negative. a statement, unlike what Napoli didn't do about coconut. So if we do discover this, we will be issuing a statement. Yes. Yeah, anyway, so that, so why why the mixture of patata and crucco and managgia? So the reason is that this originates from the First World War, and just like Italian uh, and Neapolitan, I guess troops fighting in this war they just uh wanted a way to mock german uh like austrian and german troops so since apparently they ate a lot of potatoes uh, and uh and kruko is this way to refer to german people i'm reading that it actually kruko means bread from croatian crowd whatever i mean I, i don't know maybe I guess. I mean, I think most of these things kind of get lost over the, yeah. the decades. But yeah, so they wanted to blame these people. So they ate potatoes, they ate bread, and kruko is a way to, to refer to these like, kind of people. So it was just like, damn the and potato how would somebody eating use this? Germans. How would somebody now in Naples use this? Just to generally curse? Generally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, for example, against Real Madrid, uh, Politano will miss a very easy goal, and you would say Managgio Pataturk. Uh, Managgio Pataturk. Pataturk. Yeah. Pataturk. Managgio Pataturk. Yes. Or he's had a great season, Politano, il Pastado Romano. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I've quite enjoyed watching him on the right side. Anyway, okay. I just, this segment is getting increasingly educational, Michele. What's going to happen next? Wait, it's gonna be. We're gonna I don't learn know. Something I just that. like it. I mean, I learned something new. So, Managgio Pataturk means them, the German potato eating, the potato eating <laughs> German. Right. I love it. I love it. I thought it was something completely different. It turned out it was something even more stupid than it was. It's just funny to me how, you know, this, I mean, it, this is a century long tradition now because First World War. And, and it's everyone... now just becoming so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just literally it's like, do you know someone... the. The etymology of the word um, nostalgia comes from the specific sound that Swiss soldiers used to hear of cowbells that would make them feel homesick. No, I didn't know that. I mean, how specific can you actually get about the meaning of a word? Anyway, I don't think anyone is still listening to this show. But if case you are, everybody, thank you so much. (laughs) We've covered everything. Racism in Italian stadiums. Uh, you know, Natan being the greatest Brazilian of all time, uh, Brazilian footballer of all time, and the very interesting history of Neapolitan idiomatic language. Um, cool, thanks for bearing with us, everybody. And let's hope Real Madrid is going to be fun. Uh, Michele, we can find you on Twitter at Napoli Tickets and give us a shout out again to your personal account once more. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna mostly use that I think from now on for things that are not ticket related like this podcast. So the new kind of new account is at Michele GNT. Michele GNT. As in getting up for tickets. I'm at Henry Bell Calcio. This show is at Shadow of Vesuvio, part of the at Far from Vesuvius network. Uh Big thanks to Rafa, as always, for production. And do check out his show at Napoli Rant. Also, shout out to Joe Fischetti and the Forza Napoli pod, which is a great show. And always give it a listen. There's a kind of holy trinity of English-speaking Napoli podcasts. 
Um, hope you've enjoyed it. Let's hope this upturn in form continues and the good vibes in the sport continue uh, against Real Madrid. Forza Napoli. Sempre. Yeah.